the Protect Your Neck Podcast, UFC on ESPN 12 Breakdown, picks, plays, and whatever else comes our way, let's go to work. Hot air hangs like a dead man from a white oak tree, people sitting on porches thinking how things used to be. Dark night. It's a dark night. Dark night. It's a dark night. What is up, my friends? This is the Protect Your Neck Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Tom. Analyst is work you can find over at MMAJunkie.com. But on this here program, the Protect Your Neck Podcast. We break down high-level MMA. That's what we're going to do today. Tonight, whenever you're listening to this, hopefully it's before the fight. Recording this just as weigh-ins has started. Dustin Poirier is on wait for UFC on ESPN 12. Hashtag UFC on Vegas 4. UFC fight night. Poirier versus Hooker. Um, One part of the main event. I'm going to have the weigh-ins on right now. Uh, kept on uh, to update. Um, as per usual, for folks that are uh, unaware with this, the, the format, going to quickly recap last weekend's show. Not going to beat the talking points that have been belabored. You can check the timestamp for when that ends and the aforementioned UFC on ESPN 12 Poirier vs. Hooker breakdown begins. If you're even in that much more of a rush or just don't want to hear my voice, which is totally okay and I don't blame you, um, you can go ahead and skip to the end because as per usual, I recap all my picks and plays at the very end of breakdown episodes. I uh, usually record these on Thursday. I've been pretty good for the most part, I would argue, but um, this is another one that pushed over on a Friday. I was like in that mode again where I'm like, my brain started shutting down, my voice started going, and I'm like, do I push through? I'm tired and have a crap product, or do I just get a good night rest and... Um, uh, not uh, overload my brain anymore because, as you guys know, I'm still dealing with like I think it's like week four of headaches and migraine symptoms now, which is not good. <laughs> uh, considering this um, uh, in the family history, my mother just went there, and uh, my voice, as you can tell, I'm still not back. Um, so I'm going to be looking forward to this week off. I'll be it won't be a week off for me. I'm still going to hit you guys with a top five show. I don't know if I'm going to do a recap show tomorrow night. This show ends early and I haven't done a live one on the YouTube channel, so I feel like I owe you guys, but this card, spoiler alert, seems to suck. Um, Not just names and this and that, but the matchups seem like a lot of them have the potential to not be fun, so we'll see. Either way, I'm definitely going to give you guys a recap show, so I'm actually going to be giving you guys two episodes on my week off next week, and um as well as using that time to get a lot of things done. Uh, the aforementioned other side project company will be launching, and that'll, uh, that won't affect this, but it'll definitely help. It'll help you because it'll give you uh, more things and more uh, succinct answers than having to listen to me ramble on as far as my picks and plays go, perhaps. And um, it'll also help me for um, just, to, just to stay afloat, man. Um, you know, I hate to complain because I technically still have a job, um, but, you know, as we're seeing from podcasts to journalists and stuff, it's it's a really tough time, and, like, literally our industry's best are without a job right now, and I don't think it's going to be for long. It shouldn't be. Uh, these people deserve better, uh, but it, it is crazy to see. Um, so, uh, but, but yeah, um, 
by the way, uh, shouts. I know I'll shout him out anyways. But uh, you know, go follow James Lynch's YouTube uh, YouTube channel. Um, but yeah, th- that should be launching in the next week. So I'm gonna be busy, but at the same time, I gotta I gotta balance out sometime. Like, I-, I watch too much tape on this like <laughs> card, and there's like two matchups. Ironically, like one of them I wanted to play and I didn't even get to. Go figure. Um, and another one I could have possibly played and I didn't get to last time it was booked. Go figure. That is Jordan and Zalau. Sorry, folks. But there's just not enough time in the day. And um, like I said, I overclocked my system a bit. I'm still trying to recover. Going to use this next week to recover. But it is hard to recover when you have no days off. And even though um, my company is experiencing furloughs, um, I don't know how much I should say, but that that doesn't go for, for the, the independent contractors like me, folks, who... Uh, we weren't getting too much in the first place, and we're, let's just say we're experiencing some tough cuts, and we just kind of found out those have been extended. I don't know how much more else I should say, but um, yeah, kind of deflated me this week is why I bring that up. So um, so I, I appreciate you guys reaching out. I apologize if I was short. I just I honestly didn't have that much time, and the more I look at the screen, the less I have time to tape, the more late I am for this podcast. Like That's how precious my energy sources are, sadly. Um, and that, and you know, I don't like to, there, there's a reason why you don't see me in that conjecture, whether it's in DMs or in open Twitter space, um, you know, about fights, because unless you do your analysis yourself, um, that stuff will sway you, it'll get in your head, and it'll taint your analysis, whether you've started midway through or not. Um, so always get your own opinions first, especially if you're producing content for people like I am. So apologies if I was short that way, and apologies uh, for the couple fights that I didn't watch the tape on. But um, I, I had to pull up sometime, folks. Like I, like I said, uh, <clears throat> freaking as a dude who has not taken a day off in five years, I, <laughs> part of me almost wishes I had the furlough side of the, the, the. I mean, they're both shitty. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna lie, but. You know, <laughs> part of me at least I wish I had a fucking time offside. So, yeah, wow, Dan, you're in great spirits. <laughs> all right, let's 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 tune turn around, folks. Appreciate you guys joining me. Appreciate you all. This is in the Violin Show, uh, UFC on ESPN 11 recap. Went five and seven overall, two and one in straight plays, two and one in props, and our passenger 57 parlay did not hit. Um, <laughs> another shout out, by the way. Uh, shout out to the uh, Sound of Violence uh, uh, podcast uh, over there at TSOV uh, Pod, I believe, on Twitter. Um, not, not just because they gave me a shout, but the, 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 any podcast that does '90s references or, or Mallrats rat, mall uh, fuckus references, uh, I, I immediately uh, you know moves up on the the leader, the proverbial leaderboard, if you will. And I just wanted to appreciate those guys as a, a shout. And uh, and give them one because uh, they, <laughs> jeez, let's just say they were amongst those who appreciated the the uh, the, <laughs> the Jim Miller and Passenger Fifty Seven. Yeah, Jim Miller took down. Yeah, Jim Miller. We know who's gonna win versus Jim Miller and Wesley Snipes. By the way, folks, Passenger Fifty Seven ain't got nothing on Jimmy Boy. We'll get to that in a second. Hopefully, it won't go too long. But yeah, um, as I pull it up here. God, my voice sounds worse than I thought I was gonna be better after sleeping. I'm sorry, folks. Did I even like drink in a week? Like I'm, I'm trying. I'm trying to get my sleep. Like I don't know what's going on, folks. I'm, I'm, I'm pulling. I'll pull it together. Don't worry. Um, but yeah, we had. Uh, let's go to top to bottom. We had a uh, Curtis Blades uh, beat Volkov. 
Um, I'm glad I didn't load up on the inside the distance, which I was tempted to, because even though I picked inside the distance, part of me thought maybe it could go that way. I guess it did. Um, I got no issues with it, obviously. You know, uh, Dana and Blade's going to have their thing because, you know, that, that style doesn't typically appease Dana. And guys that, you know, spoke out about the politics and pay don't exactly get on Dana's good side. I still like Blades, and um, I don't think um, it was a bad uh, performance. This is his first 25-minute fight, man. Volkov's deceptively tough. Uh, Josh Emmett defeated Shane Burgos. Um, I got no issue with Emmett winning, man, because his his performance impressed me. He dug deep. Although he's gotten the third-round finish before, most people thought, including myself, if Shane Burgos was able to survive the power, uh, he showed the ability too early. He was probably going to establish enough rhythm and get ahead enough. Um, I had him up two rounds to, to, to none, but it wasn't, like, super confident. Um... Yeah, he was getting hit with hard bombs by Emmett, but Burgos was hitting all three levels, legs, body, and head, seemed to be getting more reactions. Obviously, Emmett hurt his own leg in the beginning for that reaction, but even the body work and just the frustration uh, dictating the exchanges, even when Emmett would obviously punctuate uh, punctuate some of them and make a great account for himself, I still felt Burgos was edging those out, and coincidentally, most of the people that I follow on my t- timeline um, who uh, are striking analysts seem to, you know, uh, seem to have shared the same opinion. Um, now, does that mean it was the right opinion? No, I'm not trying to die on a hill. But it was funny how many people were dying on a hill for Emmett scorecards. Um, and just doesn't matter for Emmett scorecards or this fight. Like, for anybody to die on a hill for MMA scorecards, like, you guys, you guys realize it's MMA, right? Like, I don't know if it was just like. Um, haters, which there were those, and I lit one of them up. Uh, you know, politely, you just kind of quote tweet them and make them. You let them, you give them enough rope, and they'll hang themselves essentially, which is with most of the bottom feeders on Twitter. But then, like even other like you know notable, uh, you know, uh, what do you call you know notable accounts or whatever. I was like, I almost felt like they were throwing borderline shade, which there's been a lot of that just in general, whether it be at me or just in. Uh, you know, on Twitter, because that's like, it's the world we're living in, folks. Um, so I'm not going to uh, give those things attention. But I will say it just was super interesting, like, regardless of what your intentions were, like MMA scorecards and trusting judges that they're going to get it to your perceived, right? Like, wow. Like, okay, that's, <laughs> of all hills to die on in anything, that is... That is the most uncertain one. Okay. Um, but, yeah, you know, my scorecard was what it was. I can explain it. But at the same time, I'm not sitting there dying on the hill or casting dispersions or judgment upon people who might have seen it differently. Oh, boy. Um, that being said, because, uh, which is why I also tweeted that, you know, Emmett deserved to win despite me leaning Burgos two rounds to one because he showed that not just ability to have power but composure um, and be able to, you know, uh, box it up with one of the best boxers in that division, Shane Burgos. I mean, that's super impressive. Um, so all the credit to Emmett. You know, I told you it was really tough to to pick. You can't go by all those picks that you see. And I believe there was a decent amount of Emmett picks, but uh, Emmett seemed to be pissed off and went about the people picking against them. And whenever that is, it's either they're just overinflating the bottom feeders on Twitter or if they're referring to the media, it's usually junky because we're one of the few who post our picks. 
Um, so Emmett probably hates us. Thankfully, I'm not an access journalist, and I don't, I don't uh, depend on interviews or access to do my job. But um, but yeah, and I don't get mad at that either. Even though you know, uh, that's not you know the way to make yourself uh, the most endearing. You know, it, 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 I, I say it all the time. You shouldn't condemn these fighters for the the emotions are so crazy whether they win or lose you shouldn't condemn them however i would argue that it says a lot more about you how you win than how you lose and um i gotta find a scale for it and i know glover to share would be at the good end of the scale for how to win in class and how to beat or choke your opponents unconscious then immediately treat them like a human being afterwards like glover to is the fucking man when it comes to that uh, whereas others, you know, I can think of a bunch of examples, and Emmett certainly kind of danced in this territory, not taking anything away from him or his win. It's just the truth, where you kind of take away from yourself in a win, too, in, in a sense, uh, as far as class-wise with the way you go about it. Like, enjoy your win, bro. <laughs> enjoy your win. Um, so hopefully he can enjoy his win. Um, and uh, I've seen him give, been, be given media interviews or uh, interviews already, so... As much crap as these fighters talk, um, you realize that uh, you guys don't got a lot of leverage and a lot of the spotlight you do have. Um, unless the UFC machine's behind you, it's the MMA media you talk shit about who's constantly towing your line and putting your information out out there and talking about you. When your beloved promotion probably isn't paying you enough, isn't. So... While no one, while fighters are only now the highest levels just talking about fighter pay, keep in mind that many of the MMA media have been talking about it, reporting on it. Obviously, some stronger than others. Not going to split hairs or get into that pissing contest. That's a separate argument. But in general, since we love to speak about the media in generalities, let's not forget who's fucking been talking for your guys' jobs whilst losing ours as well. So... Sorry, just a little, again, it doesn't affect me at all. It's not my fucking job to interview these guys, but it's like just the hypocrisies and the finger pointing these days from all sides, you know, Twitter, fighters, fans, media, myself. We all need to tone it down. It's, it's just fucking chill. Enjoy your win. Enjoy your health. All right, next fight. Raquel Pennington defeated Marion Rennell by unanimous decision. Um, not much to say there. I, I knew it was a really risky pick, picking Rennell. Um but then, of course, you know, I was like, I looked at, like, the standings, which I usually don't do, submitting picks or even after. And I was like, oh, crap, this is a really, like, crucial pick for the junkie standings. And sure enough, because it was a crucial pick, um, Raquel Pennington, all of a sudden, who just looks like win or lose, she wants to out of there by the third round for the last three fucking years now, all of a sudden shows up in this super athlete Raquel again. So it's like, okay. Uh, good on her. It was a good night for her and Tisha, which I'll get to, but I was just like, that. go figure. Like, Raquel probably already could have won just normally, but, you know, <laughs> it's like shove it in your face. Um, and then Bilal Muhammad defeated Lyman Good. I didn't have an issue with that scorecard. I mean, that was, you know, power, your classic power versus volume dealio. Um, of course, the passenger 57 parlay almost hit, but Jim Miller, you know, and that's, these are the worst picks. You know, that, that's another thing. Um, that's probably maybe most sour is like, man, it folks, it's so much easier funner and more rewarding to biasly pick as a fan. This picking as an analyst shit is so overrated. Like I should just be uh, like my dude on Twitter saying blind bet Jim Miller every time. 
And um, usually I take them to school, these 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 uh, newcomers. But uh, and um, and yeah, man. But it just it was the height and the what I thought was grappling. But Roosevelt Roberts, super rookie mistake. I mean. Take nothing away from Jim, and it sucks because it's like it makes it sound like I'm sour or not happy for my literally my favorite one of my favorite fighters ever, favorite lightweight of all time now since uh, the Lava Shack, right? <laughs> um, you know, like I'm sounding sour about it, which I'm not, but it was like talk about giving away a fight. Like, let me, as a boxer who rarely throws kicks, let me go throw a kick against a guy who's looking to take me down. And not even I'm going to throw a kick so bad that it'll allow Jim Miller to catch kick takedown, but like. We'll just take that out of the equation. I'll just fall while I throw the kick. <laughs> and then I'll work out of a negative position. And once I reward myself, how do I reward myself for uh, working out of a, neg- a negative position? Uh, let me reach back in like a can opener grip because, you know, that hasn't aged out. People haven't figured out that that's an arm bar, uh, you know, with a gift wrap on it or anything. You know, by the way, we figured that out fucking pre-2008. And Jim Miller, who's been fighting in the UFC pre-2008, fucking knew all about that. Grabs the armbar and takes it home like he should. Uh, so, congrats to Jim Miller. It's good to see him win. Of course, he is the biggest winner, um, which is deserved. But the sad part is he, along with everybody else, even Josh Emmett, who, you know, given shit for, deserved more mo- deserves more than they got paid. Um, so, I'm happy for these guys. Um, I'm, happy for, I'm happy that he won. I don't, you know. I always tell you guys, if I it's fucking parlays are crazy. I don't. I bet like an eight year old. I don't care about that, folks. Um, but uh, it was just one of those fights. <laughs> maybe I should have. Maybe you know. Maybe Jim Miller's uh, dildo was an omen. Uh, by the way, people just what the fuck is Dan talking? Uh, go to his Instagram or listen to the last episode. <laughs> so I don't sound too out of left field. But that was the omen. You know, that wasn't the. Omen. That wasn't the only limb he took home with him. Uh, <laughs> Jesus, could you imagine if Jim did try to... I got to check his Instagram. I still haven't. And he did try to take it to security. You know? uh, sir, we found this in your uh, department, in your uh, luggage. Jim slowly pans to the camera. <laughs> Always bet on black. <laughs> That's the end of that story, folks. You don't don't parlay. And uh, good, on, good on Jimmy Boy Miller. Uh, Bobby Green came through on his end, speaking of which, uh, <laughs> that that fight went like I thought it would. Um, I had it 30-27 for Green. Uh, people thought 29-28 was contentious. But again, damaged folks. Like, we're not, thankfully, again, the, you can't depend on judges. But thankfully, we have been trending, you know, toward, you know, uh, damage over, you know, senseless cage control. So, um, yeah. Yeah, so, um, you know, uh, uh, I had no issue with uh, Bobby Green uh, winning there. Um, Tisha Torres defeated Brianna Van Buren. I want to give Aaron Bronstetter a shout. He wasn't the only one, I'm sure, but uh, I, I was on Aaron's preview show. Uh, I saw him on Twitter talk about it as well, so multiple multiple times before. He wasn't he wasn't after the fact, and then, you know, he was warning everybody, including myself, and, again, this is why I hate picking as an analyst because I'm mean, as an analyst. I'm like, well, you know, the grappling seems, in my opinion, uh, seems to have a slight edge to the to grapplers. Tisha Torres' grappling really has gone down in the past few years. And that's been a fact. 
And, you know, Brandon Van Buren is keeps surprising. Prospect. Torres is on the skid. It's pandemic era. Oh, what's going on? Um, and I wanted her to do well. And again, I stayed away from this fight. I didn't even lose anything on this fight. Um, but, like, it was just one of those where it was just like, God, this is why I hate picking as an analyst. Because if I was just picking as biased myself, I would have been Tisha all day. You guys know me from back in the day. Tisha was like the guaranteed parlay piece. And, um, like, I was telling, like, I was talking to Aaron. Like, I was like, no, no, dude, good on you. It just, it sucks for me because, like, I actually, you know, like, I didn't pick her here, sure, but I wasn't one of those that was writing her off in this skid. Like, if you guys remember, I was actually, you know, I don't think I picked her every time, but I think I picked her literally two out of one, including against Wei Li Zhang, and, like, made, was one of the few, like, trying to make cases for Tisha Torres, like, getting shit for it. So, like, it especially sucks to be, like, the guy backing Torres, not just in her heyday, but when she's losing. And then when she finally turns around, you were, you know, picking against her and shit. Like, oh, God, do I got to, even though I don't, I wasn't fucking playing it or touting like it was a confident pick. In fact, it was on the avoid list. In fact, everything on my avoid list from last week ended up um, being wrong. So if any solace I can take in that, that was on the avoid list for a reason. Nevertheless, I'm legitimately that big, I'm a big Tisha Torres fan, so it upsets me that um, I wasn't on that. And I got to give credit where credit's due, man. Props to Aaron. And y'all should be listening to the TSN MMA show. I'm going to be referencing them and Joe Valtellini uh, toward the end here. Because, um, you know, they say things uh, better than me more often than not. <laughs> but I definitely wanted to give Aaron um, a specific shout. I know I give him shouts uh, in general, but uh, I really wanted to give Aaron a shout for that one, Mr. Bronstetter. Um, speaking of Canadians, man, Canadians reverse the Canadian curse. Mark Andre Burial, uh, defeat, uh, Oscar Piachota, that left shrimp by TKO. Uh, we should have seen that one coming, man. That was just, this was one of those ones where it was like, uh, I should have seen that coming. Um, it just, again, the light, the, admit, I, I admitted it was light tape study folks. And, you know, I wasn't, you know, touting hard on my pick on this fight or telling you where to put your money. Um, but uh, um, I did end up taking that shot on Piotr once he ended up going all the way to dog money. I couldn't help myself. Thankfully, it was a small degenerate shot. But shouts to the smart money that was on the other side. I believe uh, uh, Dan Levy from Half the Battle hit that. Grats to you, sir. And uh, a bunch of other people on my timeline. Maybe not a bunch, but just, you know, congrats to those who did, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Um, and, you know, motive. I, yeah, man, last week's card left a bad taste in my mouth because it just was a lot of stuff I felt like I should have seen. Um, so I, I really wanted to go hard at it on this card. And then I like got all deep into this card and burnt myself out on it. And I'm like, this card sucks. Why did I burn myself out on it? And spoiler alert, it's a bad card for betting. We'll get to that. Um, uh, Jillian Robertson defeated Courtney Casey. Uh, got the fight she wanted and took it all the way. Good on Jillian Robertson, man. It was hard to know what to expect, especially with Din Thomas, her mid trainer, kind of leaving and not having a gym. Courtney Casey being fresh. But um, shouts to Gamble, who said something interesting. These, the people that are making the turnaround so far in the pandemic have not been doing good, win or lose. So something to keep an eye on there. Uh, Justin Janes came through, defeated Frank Camacho by TKO punches. No leg kicks. Um, I know I was touting the leg kicks heavy. Um, last week, uh, just because it just Justin James kicks legs like a motherfucker and Frank Sumacho is susceptible to them. 
However, um, when you're brawling somebody, you only can get in maybe a leg kick or two. And as Justin James said in his post-fight speech, you know, he called the audible. He told his coaches, I'm going to blitz this guy, which wasn't a bad move either. You know, we've seen Frank Camacho, um, you know, uh, come out cold and be caught uh, early in fights. So that wasn't a bad gamble either. James definitely cashed that gamble. Good on him. Got the bonus like he deserved. Um, and I'm just very happy to see someone that you have seen, supported, and, you know, actually uh, actually training and been banged up with by quite a few times um, get in there uh, and do the damn thing and accomplish their dreams. So congrats to Justin. Couldn't be happier with him and the team. Roman, Isbell, Dennis Davis, Eric Nixick, all the guys. Lauren Murphy. Luck, lucky Lauren uh, defeated Roxanne Mataferi. I like Mataferi, but that was a good decision and a good performance by Lauren. Like I said, she's been putting it together. Showed it there. Um, took the shot. It was really dangerous on Max Roshkoff, and not only did it fail, but man, it was a TKO retirement. You know, um, congrats to Hubbard, man. Sucks that he's not going to be getting credit because the focus is going to be on Max. Uh, the talking points have been talked to death. Uh, I'm glad that Max called it, and you know the the bodies involved all eventually listened. Um, we could nitpick, you know, we could focus on times like nine times, and we do this with strikes too. He ate, you know, ten, twelve unanswered punches, and these things are hard facts. And I'm not trying to argue hard facts. However, hard facts when you like I said, it's my least favorite form of debating when you take one hard, somewhat infallible fact, at least concrete within a certain context, but you apply that context for all coming arguments and opposing context and opposing ideas, and you just sit back like a shield and you don't intake anything and you only hit no fact, 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 fact. You are one of the least favorite people to argument argue with A and B, I would argue. It's not a very fun, effective, ingratiating uh, argue, arguing style, debating style. Um, so you can't get too hung up on that. He said nine times. Like, you know, you can get just as atrocious as five times, really. You know, if we're going to go down that um, path. Um, Robert, who I trained under, and I'm not going to defend. You know, uh, the guy's been there himself. You know, but he's also not infallible by any means either. So... Um, by all, no means am I speaking from uh, a bias here. Um, when I'm, and I'm not even defending. I'm just saying I, I don't think it was as egregious as as, as most said. Um, I think, uh, like I said, Aaron Bronstetter and, and Joe Valtellini um, had a good explanation. And even Joe, you know, who, you know, self-deprecating appropriately so, shot himself down saying, you know, I'm kind of all over the place with my message, which he kind of was, and as somebody who also is, I get it. But I did think Joe did a fantastic job, and the reason why you should go listen to that podcast in disgusting kind of the culture, and it's a really hard thing to discuss. I know I tried to touch on it with my, um, you know, police uh, brutality and jiu-jitsu article, but there's just good, bad, perceived good, perceived bad, there is an underlining kind of culture of violence. This be tough about it. Get in there. Suck it up. And that's what we're really combating here at the end of the day, folks. Um, could procedures be a bit, bit better? Of course. Could people, corners be a bit better? Of course. Not arguing that. 
But at the end of the day, there is a bigger theme behind it that we don't often touch upon, and it is the culture of violence. And I believed they uh, touched on it, which is no surprise, being that Joe is a fighter and commentator and is cornered and all the coached and all those hats himself. So much respect to Joe, much respect to that podcast. All right. Timestamp here, 2808. Oh, this breakdown should be faster than than the recap because that card was much more interesting than this one. Let's see, you know. The I told you so is after the fact. Never judge a card before it happens, fuck fucking goof. Uh, (laughs) Tell that impression was. All right, UFC on ESPN 12, 28 Manito Mark. Um... Let's see. Let's see. I'm going to scan um, Twitter to see if anybody has missed or made weight. But we got Dustin Poy, of course, headlining the card at minus 235. Dan Hooker's your underdog comeback on plus 195. It uh, looks like they both have made weight ahead of this. Of course, if I skip anything in particular as I rush through, the in-depth breakdowns um, on this fight is going to be up on MMAJunkie.com. Thanks for those of you who like and share those and check those out. Um, it really means a lot. I know I kind of started it off on a bit of a sour note. I apologize, but that shit does mean a lot. Um, a lot of COVID stuff on my timeline, but it's good to see that the both main events made weight. Not seeing anybody missing weight. So, yeah. Okay. The weigh-ins are still going on, though. Woodson, 149, missed weight. Okay, well, that makes sense. He's ridiculously big. Uh, we'll get to that fight uh, in a second. Um, that didn't surprise me. Oh, I was going to say he might be one, too. Took t- 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 my thunder. You know, I, that's been a quiet streak of mine. I have a spidey sense for who's going to miss weight, who's most likely. Um, but, yeah, um, I, I took this employee, but I'm not super confident. I don't blame anybody for taking a lot of the dogs here. I just worry that this card is making the dogs more... We'll get into it, especially in the next two matchups, particularly. Maybe even three. It's going to make the dogs more attractive than what they appear to be when you have stacked favorites that are overly stacked. This fight may be not one of them. Dustin Poirier obviously is one of the more respectable sample sizes. If anybody's going to be commanding a plus 2-to-1 spread in MMA, albeit he opened slightly lower, where I think was more appropriate closer um maybe not necessarily to a pick them but closer to that 150 175 minus 150 minus 175 range you know D- dan hooker from southpaw pole counters uh just his straight shots his checking jabs which can be very disruptive if you don't have something to offer uh his calf kicks and leg kicks which we've seen trouble dustin poyer before uh even his left hooks he throws them more effectively offensively, like we've seen in the James Vick fight. Whereas checking hooks those, uh, is what you know caught uh, Dustin Poirier against Michael Johnson, my main man. Uh, little Three Kings reference there. Wow, Dan, ninety nine, live strong. Um, but um, but yeah, it, I think uh, I still think I still like Dustin Poirier. I like his I like his shifting footwork. I like the way he levers punches off of the same side and uses that to change his angles, timing, and speed. He's kind of doing a lot when he starts fluttering and flushing from a single side. He's setting up uh, both his power opposing hand and uh, setting up his stance uh, to shift and and drive into his opponent. Um, and the body work. He 
Doesn't go to the body as much as you'd like to think in the highlight reels, but if you do go to his stats, when he does go to the body, it's usually at a high percentage. Um, of course, he's going to be outdone in the body against guys like Max Holloway, who's the best body workers in the sport, regardless of division. One of the best, right? So, um, so yeah, uh, he, he's going he's gonna, to you know, be washed out in those numbers, but even in that fight, he still landed a very high percentage of his shots to the body. Um, and, uh, I forget what fight it was kind of semi recently, even hurt someone with a body kick from the Southpaw stance. Like he'll quietly sneak those in, even though it's his big punches that do the work. So I got to imagine he and his camp saw that with hooker. So you look back in, or even in early hookers fights, um, the body seems to bother him. He has a good poker face and not everybody picks it up, but it's actually somewhat of a common thread. Now, it was harder to go back and find Hooker against Southpaws. Of course, the only official UFC lefty he fought was Jim Miller, who he iced very fast. But Jim Miller had some success in that fight, both to the body and to the head. Um, and uh, even in fights win or lose, whether he lost to Mark or Maximo Blanco or won against Mark Casey, both those fighters had their best success in that fight, win or lose, yes, from the Southpaw stance. So... It's going to be interesting to see. A lot of guys that can go southpaw, obviously, for Dan. And a lot of talented strikers who shift their stance from that city kickboxing camp. But how was Hooker's preparation? Half of it was in stage four isolation. The other was in loose regulation, whereas the majority of Poirier's camp was, um, you know, somewhere in that mid-level. Who knows? But he did have the American top team, who I'm sure was catering to him, right? It's funny training right now. It's like it's like the 1920s alcohol, like you know, speakeasies and shit. Like trying to, I I imagine that's what it's like for fighters, because from obviously covering what we're, what we're all covering to a certain following to covering, we we see that right. But now, um, like I, I'm gonna be rolling for the first time next Tuesday. Um, found a small uh, safe group who's been doing groups there, a little offlet group from the gym of uh, brown belts and black belts. So I'm going to go jump in some purple belts too, hopefully. So uh, either way, I'll be getting my ass kicked. It doesn't matter. But um, but it's funny. It's like it's like trying to find like fi- trying to find places to train right now. It's like it's like fucking speakeasy. What's the code word? So we'll see. But uh, I, I like Dustin Poy. I will say, though, people saying that he's got the ground edge. He does. He's the black belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Um, he probably even has a, a slight wrestling edge, but it is slight, folks. Dan Hooker is underrated when it comes to wrestling, cage cage wrestling, cage grappling, and scrambling. He's gotten a lot better at it, folks. So I don't expect grappling stances to last long. Uh, Dustin Poirier is going to have to work really hard if he wants to attrit him on the ground via Anthony Pettis. Could very well look like that fight, and he gets him out of there via attrition. Here's my worry, though. Um, I kind of allude to it in the breakdown, uh, the written part. But I worry that if Dustin Poirier doesn't get Dan Hooker out of there, not so much that he's going to lose, which is possible. I just feel like if Dan Hooker's going to win, it's going to be in the first two rounds. Or at least that's where the work is going to be primarily done to have set the win, if that makes sense. Like, he's either going to have to finish him or have, like, taken 85% out of Dustin Poirier halfway of showing him out the door before those two rounds are up, if that makes sense. Because my worry is that if Dustin Poirier 
is winning the fight but doesn't get Hooker out of there. Hooker's durability is going to force something like that Edson Barbosa fight, which Barbosa was smart enough to go to the body and goes to the body with more weapons at a more higher clip than Dustin Poirier, folks. Keep in mind. I know I'm, I was pumping up Dustin Poirier's body work to a certain extent earlier, but again, like I said, he, there are plenty of other people who do more body work. Barbosa was one of those. He barely got Hooker out of there in three rounds. If this goes five and Poirier is not able to get Hooker out of there because Poirier does tend to headhunt, and Hooker, for better or worse, broken jaws or orbitals, he'll still sit in the fight. Um, it could, you know, we, everybody, for better, well-intentioned or not, who's, you know, we seem to be in an age where we're, and again, I'm for fighter safety, folks. I'm not, we need to be having these conversations. Don't kick it like that, but also, we're also in, in an age right now where we're all a bit more sensitive and... The outrage culture is at a high. And I'm I'm not going to go out and quite say we're looking for things to be outraged about because there are certainly enough to be outraged about in MMA and in the world otherwise. But I feel like this could be another... We're, we're criticizing the corner here. Uh, we're criticizing the ref. We're criticizing the doctors, the officials, etc. Um, because Dan Hooker's too tough for his own good. I hope I'm not right on that, folks, but I, I wanted to state that. All right, uh, let's let's cut through the rest of these rather quickly. Mike Perry minus three twenty, Mickey Gall plus two sixty. Uh, people were in my ear this week about Gall, um, and um, like I told those people, good luck, man. You ain't wrong about where the value is from a betting perspective. Um, but it's just weird. It's like Mike Perry's head's not in it. Like, when has Mike Perry's head ever been in it? Like, Mike Perry's gonna have his girlfriend in his corner. Like. You remember, like, when his girlfriend was in his corner, like, shouting out the majority of the instructions, like, for a couple fights uh, already? And I know this is a different girlfriend, but I'm just saying, like, um, you know, Mike Perry said this. When does Mike, like, Mike Perry says the N-word, and he thinks that's okay. Like, how much weight are we going to put into that? And he does troll, you know, with the cut-up knuckles. That was going to get me to pick against him, but then that was an older video. You know, he was okay. And he's really downplaying his training partners, but I was looking on his Instagram and these other guys' Instagrams, and he's been training with two dudes who are MMA fighters, boxers, and both primarily wrestler grapplers and long guys. So I'm like, wow, that actually is really long wrestlers is who you want to trade with because um, you don't want to trade too much jujitsu. Um, okay, now other things. Mike Perry striking is regressed. I don't know if it's regressed. Mike Perry striking is inconsistent, but again... Mike Perry's always been inconsistent win or lose. So does it make me pump my chest for picking him? No, that's not what I'm doing. However, if you're going to pump your chest the other way and be like, that is the reason why he is going to lose. Like, I'm not saying it's not, he's not going to lose. I'm just saying, I don't know if that's going to be the reason considering the guy is inconsistent and crazy and does questionable choices like every fight. So let's calm with that. Now to the technical stuff, is you know Mike Perry regressing? Like I said, I don't think he's regressing. Again, I think he's inconsistent. Um, I know I'm not the only one of this opinion, but I also know people have a different opinion, which is fine. It's all open to interpretation, folks. Um, I'm of the opinion that this guy is more dangerous when he's countering. Like if he 
could find like a Trevor Whitman like guy and start like having him turn the corners like Gaethje is, where you're using that power instead of senselessly brawling. You're just using your pressure countering guys, uh, you know, and getting real technical with your with your returns, uh, slips, checks, feints. You know, you're getting better with these things. Like that's his style. Um, he's got his own weird style about it, where he kind of just sits back a little too much in counters. And he'll allow guys like Luke to put work on him, which, again, I could see why people would score that 29-28 parry. But I could also see why someone would score all those rounds for Luke for, again, showing the more visual damage um, and playing his game, um, you know, and wearing the shots better, uh, a la Burgos and um, Emmett, right? So it, it gets really tricky when you look at Mike Perry's striking style from that perspective. And I think the countering style is going to serve him well because Mickey Gall, to his credit for people backing him, he does have a good chin. Um, it seems like more of exhaustion and attrition is what's going to get him out of there uh, than uh, a straight shot. And even on that, he had a bad weight cut, you know, a kidney failure, sick. And even though I'm not a fan of fighters using excuses, whether they're legitimate or not, I don't know the situation, but for what it's worth, yeah, I'm willing to wager that that was a legitimate excuse from Mickey Gall uh, as to why he lost to Diego Sanchez, maybe, you know. Um, however, we still don't have enough of a sample size. Salim Tohari, that guy hasn't fought since, you know. Um, uh, that guy would look like he could be an underrated guy, but even underperformed for a possibly underrated guy, right? Uh, and But... We saw check left hooks from boy, whether it was from Tuhari or other people. Mickey Gall seems to eat those, and Mike Perry's got a mean left hook. Um, is his best countering shot. Now, furthermore, into the techniques, Perry, because of his personality and poor choices and wearing damage and those fights that were very inconsistent than others, has a bad label. Whereas if you look at Perry from his amateur days to his all throughout his pro days, the guy's always been an underrated grappler underrated takedown defense and more specifically when you're trying to take him down is when you get in the most trouble because his knees and elbows from the clinch are his money devastating money makers so from a stylistic standpoint who do i want to pick against mickey gall a guy with more experience mike perry um a guy who's got underrated grappling counter wrestling and dangerous in the clinch where mickey gall is going to constantly be trying to close to so Again, if we forget that it's inconsistent as Mike Perry, stylistically, this is a real bad matchup for Mickey Gall, man. I mean, he's been doing really well for being just indoctrinated into the UFC all but one pro fight. But, like, that's not supposed to happen these days. I mean, it was even rare when Amir Sadala was doing it back in, like, 12 years ago, folks. Like, it's not supposed to happen. Does that mean Mickey Gall's going to lose? No, man. And if he does, congrats to you who picked him. Congrats to you for cashing that. I'm sure as shit not playing Mike Perry for minus 320. I sure as shit don't think that line is accurate. But as far as who's favored and as far as who's uh, picking stylistically, may bite me in the ass again. But, you know, the analyst's answer clearly points to Perry here. So I can't not, not pick him either to win. I'm definitely not playing him. Definitely wishing you luck for picking or playing against him, but, you know, there's, there's not enough evidence. The evidence is tricky. All right, next fight, another one that's tricky. Again, I'm with the favorite here, but I don't agree with the line. Minus 310, Brandon Allen, Kyle Dawkins, plus 255. I'm a big fan of Kyle Dawkins, man. Durable southpaws who just 
He's just going to keep boxing you. He looks pretty damn durable. Uh, doesn't look like he's going to be an easy guy to submit. Very long. Um, you know, likes to work toward the cage. Small cage. This is all day Kyle Dawkins, man. I was really tempted to switch my pick here. But, again, short notice. Brendan Allen keeps proving wrong. Yeah, Brendan Allen, he's lost to southpaws that were durable before. And Eric Anders, dude, a much more uh, versatile and more processed and polished southpaw. Of course, he's going to lose, right? Well, he was only like 20 or 21, folks. That was almost three or four years ago when he lost to Eric Anders. Whereas he has beat a southpaw since, a more talented one than both on paper, which is Tom Breeze. But Tom Breeze has had, and again, as a dude who, who struggles with mental stuff, I, I cheer for people and respect people like Tom Breeze. That being said, Tom Breeze has had a lot of mental hurdles that have hurt him in recent years. And even in that fight, when he made it to fight night, he kind of checked out of that, folks. You know, there wasn't a real big turning shot. You know, like we said, you know, like to this culture and quitting people quit all the time you just don't realize it y'all might want to jump and fucking shit on somebody who does when it's obvious you get low-hanging fruit if you're a bottom feeder the truth is there's plenty of quitting that's going on all the time folks all the time and uh, that definitely happened there so it's like shit man brendan allen you know looked good he did what he was supposed to do but how much do you judge that, right? It, it, it sucks. It takes away from Allen, if anything, right? Um, however, as Brendan Allen showed in that fight, in most fights, he likes to go from the body lock, which is good because the body lock, um, if you're a similar height to Dacus, which Brendan Allen is, you're going to be able to get some traction there and you're going to be able to avoid Kyle Dawkins' front headlock game where he makes his money off of. In fact, that's been his Hail Mary. I've seen fights where Kyle Dawkins is losing the whole goddamn fight. He's getting dominated by a stronger grappler uh, or stronger fighter in general, or so it seems, and then Kyle Dawkins pulls a Hail Mary because the guy shoots a bad shot um, into a front headlock choke. I don't think Brandon Allen's going to do that. Brandon Allen, I think Kyle Dawkins is a black belt. He was a brown last time I checked, but he was like on the verge of getting his black. Whereas Brandon Allen, I believe, just recently got his black belt. So for all intents and purposes, I'm going to consider both these guys black belts. God, my voice sucks. Um, I'm sure the coffee's not helping. But it's going to come down to wrestling. Um, wrestling and gas tank, because that's like these guys' game. You know, who's going to win those scrambles? And the thing is, both guys don't seem to tire... Um, I like Dawkins' shot game, but you know I like his techniques, even though he's less experienced and has ha hit less hurdles and turbulence. Although he's fought some talented guys himself, I'm not trying to say he hasn't. But Allen <clears throat> seems to have a, a little bit more of a higher athletic ceiling. Um, he's not training out of his garage, so that's not necessarily a bad thing in the pandemic. You know. Uh, Brandon Allen's got a good support system over there with the Rufus uh, training camp people. So it was hard to pick against Allen, who was preparing for this date, and he was preparing for, let's not forget, folks, a, a frustrating guy, a tough challenge, um, who also had power, but also could scramble and just make your life miserable and collect scorecards that way. And um, what was his name? Uh, Sack from Wedding Crashers. Um, Ian Heinish, you know, so he was already getting ready to face 
a high cardio guy. And so you got to wonder, okay, is it going to be a, a letdown spot for Allen? Well, you know, again, listen to a lot of interviews in my studies for this week's card, and Allen was talking, he said something that I liked, where he said, um, <clears throat> he said, uh, this kid looks like he wants it more than Tom. So, which A, told me he wasn't riding too high off of his Tom Breeze win. He understood what happened there, which is big. And B, which is also big, he knows Kyle Dawkins kid wants it, and that's where, skills aside, that's where Kyle Kyle wins his fights, that undefeated fighter. So it sounds like Allen is respecting and acknowledging that. So for that, I'll take Brandon Allen. Ain't no way I'm playing him. Good luck if you're playing Kyle Dawkins. The value's on him. But for the reasons I said, I got to pick Allen, psychologically, statistically, etc. Um, Maurice Green, minus 230. John Vellante, plus 190. Uh, I was tempted to pick Vellante here to upset, but it seems like he's just showing up to get paid because I couldn't find anything of him training anywhere on social media. Even Keith Trimble, who looks like he's a personality doing some dress-up, his main head coach there at Belmore Kickboxing Academy, had nothing with John Vellante on there. It's troublesome. You know, Chris Weidman, nothing with GP Vellante. Hey, more like DP Vellante. Ain't that right, Chris? Come on, Chan. Married now. Um, so, yeah, I went with Maurice Green. Do you mind if we dance with the old dates? Crochet boss. Looks like he had a stint at Jackson Wink, but still a factory X guy. Um, putting things together. Um, yeah, as long as he doesn't get caught with a Volante big right hand, he should be all right. Uh, all right. Another one. Uh, don't agree with the line, but I'll take the favorite. Sean Woodson, minus 475, who, like I said, missed weight. Juliana Rosa, a.k.a. Bueller. Cameron from Ferris Bueller's Day Off, um, plus 380. You know, I always like this guy. Trained with Fallis, trained with Extreme Couture. Uh, Three-fight skid hasn't fought since that head kick knockout to Julio Arce. Um, the southpaw look and the uh, height should be interesting, but he's still going to be open to everything from uppercuts to hooks uh, for the way Woodson's length, the way Woodson throws it. Woodson also has uh, good scrambles. I like his footwork. Um, I like how he scrambles back up to the feet. Uh, sorry, I'm trying to pull up Twitter. As I look up uh, some weights here. So I'm going to go with Woodson here. Probably by decision. He could maybe knock him out. Probably by decision. Um, Luis Pena minus 230. Comma worthy plus 190. He actually went back to watch some. I feel like Worthy, especially as of late, he's gotten better with his left hook, which is what got him to win last time. Um, still to weigh in, according to Aaron, Maurice Green, Gian Vellante, speaking of which, Tanner Bowser. You guys know I'm saving him for that one, that, that pronunciation. Jin uh, Fry and Yusuf Zalal. All right, um, let's go. Um... We got Luis Pena, minus 230, Worthy. Yeah, Worthy looks like he, like, like really trying to model himself after, like, Nova and Yao fighters as of late. Um, not sure if Pena can get the knockout, but I think the southpaw stance and his movement will give him the edge here. Um, his wrestling, albeit, it's like, for a wrestler, he like, he loves getting taken down first to get, to get going and then, like, has to work out of negative positions. It's like the fighter that needs to get hit first. He's like the grappling version of that. So that's going to be really interesting to see how he can even get to his advantage. 
Um, however, if he doesn't get clocked uh, by Worthy in the first round, uh, I believe eventually it'll just be a messily, scrambly kind of Luis Pena type fight that he'll be able to suck Worthy into. Um, where I see Pena either getting the decision or possibly a third round finish by TKO or submission. I didn't play it though, easy Derek Love, because as you know, um, not only does it have to be a, a much more potent stylistic three round finish than this offers, but I also like to see numbers of plus 1200 or up, much less, uh, uh, at least I should say, over plus 1000, whereas he's coming in at like plus 900 for a third round finish, which is too low for my blood. But the pick is Pena. Uh, next, Tanner Bowser, minus 115 versus Philippe Lins, minus 105. Philippe Lins weighed in at minus 234 on the scale. So, um, you know, he's a lighter heavyweight anyways, but let's let's see uh, if that means he's going to be more in shape uh, to keep pace. That's why I picked Orlovsky to beat him, just more, uh, more pace, more kickboxing. Uh, and veterans savvy. Now, Tanner Beuge doesn't have veteran savvy, but Tanner Beuge does have durability, kickboxing, hedgehog haircut with Tanner Beuge, PFL Anaconda's Tanner Beuge. Sorry, he looks like he's a PFL fighter. Uh, if, if he was, then he certainly would have the experience edge, but... No, that's just a, a title that I, for whatever reason, along with bad pronunciation, put on Tanner Bozier. But I think Tanner Bozier wins this fight. For some reason, I thought he was the dog. I guess he never opened up as a dog. I figured he would have. Um, but maybe the odds makers know there's people like me who love putting money on them, durable heavyweights to outdo these guys. That being said, I do got love for Felipe Lins, who, you know, I believe cross trains over to Dream Couture. You know, he's got heavy hands, going to have the jiu-jitsu background. Um, as long as Tanner Bozier doesn't get too hung up on bad shots or try to do that to stall against the cage like he has against past opponents, uh, I see this being a 29-28 greedy heavyweight fight for Tanner Bozier. I could see the uh, over being a play here. I, I kind of want to play Bozier. I may end up playing him tentatively, uh, a tentative Bozier play here. It's about all I can give you, folks. I'm not that confident, but I do think he gets the scorecards. Do what you will. Uh, was looking to pick and play uh, Jordan Griffin, but surprise, surprise, whatever reason this fight got canceled for last time, I don't know because I didn't get around to studying it this time. My dude Aaron from Texas. Shouts to Aaron from Texas, one of the, the, one of the good ones out there. Deep in the heart of Texas. I probably fucked that song up, but yeah, that was his calling to MMA Junkie Radio. Told me not to sleep on Yusuf Zalal, who apparently people aren't sleeping on as he is the favorite here, albeit slightly minus 125. Zalal looks pretty well-rounded, strong, sturdy. If he can avoid getting into scrambles, uh, he should be able to win this. However, I could totally see Jordan Griffin maybe taking it late, like in the third round. Um, I'm not even going to say values on Griffin here because it's such a low entry point that if you know more about Zalal than me, which could be possible because I I breezed over his tape last time and didn't finish the second half and didn't touch any of it this time. So this is going to be on my avoid list, as is pretty much the whole fucking card. Um, but uh, I'm going to take Zalal slightly. I don't blame you for picking Griffin. I like the scrappiness of Griffin. He could get it done round three, possibly easy. Easy love. Easy. Not playing it. Not saying it. Just saying it could happen. It could happen. 
Remember that old McDonald's commercial? No, Dan, we're not from 1992. Uh, Kay Hansen, who fucking was not even a glint in her father's eye in 1992. <laughs> she was born in 99. Jesus Christ. What was that? Jesus Christ, Neil. You were a glint in your father's eye before your mother. What is that from? That was a really dark sentence that I politely left out a certain word. All right, don't even follow me on my references because I don't even know where they come from, Dan. It's not even late. You have a cup of coffee. It's morning. What's your excuse, Dan? I don't know, but you better stay on target on this one because it is a female fight. Minus 165, K. Hansen. Uh, Jin Yu Fry, plus 145. I don't know what Fry's background is, but I feel like, you know, she's got that look where she's got that. I'm guessing she could be half Chinese or something like half Taiwanese or something like that. Speaking of someone who's half Chinese and half white, kind of mixed, you know, with some things. Uh, we can look like a lot of things. So she looks like she's related to me. Um, Kay Hansen does not. <laughs> um, boy, she committed to that American flag and, and peace, like, early. Like, she's an interesting character. You know, like, like she's not old enough to, 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 to crack beers after any of these fights, but she also looks like, like, her dad's been, like, Cracking her open a can of beer out and out on the sand dunes, you know, <laughs> for some time. She looks like a different breed, man. Um, and tough, by the way. I'm not taking anything away, uh, taking away from her uh, p political leanings or not. Uh, I'm, I'm a fan of her stylistically. Um, she gets after it. She can uh, wrestle pretty decently against the cage. It's where she likes to make her money. The small cage will do her well. She's failed a couple times at 125, but. She's still a physical 115er, so I don't know if the physicality, more immaturity was the reason. Um, took some prospect losses for sure. Uh, she got some fights where she shouldn't have been shouldn't have won and still won. Um, hasn't faced many southpaws though. Like in her one boxing fight, she did, albeit she lost that fight. Um, good on her for taking it. You know. Uh, trying to round yourself as a martial artist I, I shoot I could barely kick box or box when I took my when I took my matches but I was just trying to take him to round myself um, and better prepare give myself a better chance to win which I did not um, my MMA fight but uh, I'm not gonna be one of those uh, bottom feeders who shits on someone for losing a boxing fight while they sit out and and you know from the sidelines those are the weakest people so shout to you Kay Hansen for giving it an old shot. However, I do hope she has gotten better since the last time she's faced a southpaw. Because um, she'll need to. Jinyu Fry, you know, she's got a decent check right hook. Like all southpaws should never leave home without. The only problem with Jinyu Fry is even though she's an atom weight coming up, so you got to wonder about how the power is going to be, um, her volume also isn't the greatest. And is her volume going to be even more muted because Kay Hansen, from her early days to her. Well, it's still her early days, let's be honest. But, you know, her later in her earlier career, she's always been, have, has had a knack for um, catching kicks and countering. So, kick, catch, counter. So, that's going to be another route that'll serve her well in all her fights. That's something else that I was going to point. Like, if you don't want to throw kicks is one thing in your style, but whether you're a striker or a grappler, I feel like everybody should be... Uh, learning how to counter kicks because especially people who follow Muay Thai, uh, like those fight site kids who know way better than me will tell you 
there's a lot of freebies given in MMA. There's a lot of people that don't know how to kick, or if they do not kick, and they don't know how to retract, or if they do not kick and retract, they don't necessarily have a time or attach. So you're getting, in other words, a lot of opportunities to catch and return, or catch and take down if you're a grappler. So and it's just it's so infuriating. It was like a eureka moment. I can't remember which fight, but it was multiple in last card where I'm like. If I'm a coach, fuck, man. We need to be drilling kick counters. We should not be letting any opponent be getting away with any kicks, no matter what their style, no matter what the matchup is, no matter what my fighter style is. Kicks are essentially free counters for a majority part in MMA. Untapped goldmine, folks. Um, so uh, good on Kay Hansen to have that wiring early. I think she's going to win. Um Probably by decision. Jinyu Fry has shown to be able to get out of the same submissions and that um, Hansen has been able to put on people. They both have been have had their fair share of defending arm bars. Um, I like Jinyu Frey, but I, just, I think the size and the style is going to be too much in that small cage. Uh, so uh, I may p- play K. Hansen tentatively if it goes down, or I may play as a degenerate. There's not a lot of points of entry, but Hanson and Bozer are those points. So let's wrap it up, folks. Oof, just over an hour. Ugh, sorry. Um, all right, from the top, taking Dustin Poirier over Dan Hooker, taking Mike Perry over Mickey Gall, taking Brendan Allen over Kyle Dawkins. Uh, although good luck if you are on the other side of any of those fights because the dog is where the value is on. Uh, not sure the value is on. John Vellante is I'm taking Maurice Green over John Vellante, taking Sean Woodson over Julian Arosa, a.k.a. Cameron from Ferris Bueller's Day Off, taking Luis Pena over Kama Worthy, taking Tanner Bowser, as my voice fucking gives out, over Philippe Lins, taking Yusuf Zalel over Jordan Griffin, um, possibly some value on either side there. Good luck. It's on my voyage for sure. Taking Hanson over Jimmy Fry. May even play Hanson along with Bozier. I ain't parlaying shit. I ain't propping shit. There ain't really shit to play, to be honest. It is all in the void. Good luck. Hopefully my analysis was helpful. Sorry for the somewhat later release. Uh, we'll do a recap show. Let me know if you guys want it live. You know, vote with your dollars there. Let me know on Twitter, at DanTomMMMay. Follow the podcast at the PYM Podcast. Follow me on YouTube, Daniel Tom MMA. Search that. All the click-throughs, MixedMarshallAnalyst.com. Thank you guys for the love and support. Apologies for the voice, health. Uh, my energy wasn't up to par. Good luck with your picks and plays. And always protect the under-